Folks, this is Greg Grasso with Chapter One. I'm um, I'm doing something a little different this morning. I don't, uh, or I rarely, do children's books, but this came across my desk a couple weeks ago. Um, the book is called Daniel and His Starry Night Blanket. It's a story of illness and sibling love, and it's written and illustrated by a uh, very talented uh, young gal, um, Sally Lockridge. Her name is, per, is uh, spelled L-O-U-G-H-R-I-D-G-E, but pronounced Lockridge, Sally Lockridge. Well, good morning, Sally. Uh, this good morning. Is, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you, despite the dreary weather here in Maine. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got a buddy. Uh, his name is Mike Bond. He's a uh, thriller writer, and he lives in Maine. I was mm. just talking to him yesterday, yeah. That's great. Well, yesterday was gorgeous. Yeah. I, I gr- was up on a mountain painting. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I was going to, uh, well, I'm going to tell the audience that uh, you are a writer-illustrator, and uh, this this new kid's book... Um, talks about a subject that, uh, you know, is still taboo in certain uh, demographics, uh, uh, especially my generation. I'm 61, and uh, the word cancer was, uh, was uh, something horrible uh, 20, 30, 40 years ago. But, um, and, and, of course, it is still horrible. But, but this book addresses... Um, it addresses feelings uh, that a child may have that may uh, he or she may display um, when uh, when themselves or a sibling uh, has a catastrophic a catastrophic um, disease like this. So I'm going to shut my mouth and I'm going to have <laughs> you uh, tell us um, uh, about Daniel and his Starry Night Blanket and uh, why you wrote it. Well, I'd be glad to. Uh, there are a number of reasons why I wrote it. I had actually started a children's book <clears throat> a few years ago um, because I love kids. I'm a, by training a clinical child psychologist and was in practice almost 30 years in Vermont. And um, I also love to, to paint. And I had decided I would do a book about a young child growing up um, to show the increasing maturity that happens, happens as a fairly healthy child is growing. Uh, but then a few years ago, I had breast cancer, and that changed my outlook on a few things. And it certainly deepened my own empathy for anyone who's in that situation and families who are in the situation. You know, I was aware from my own situation that a cancer or a catastrophic illness of another sort affects not just the patient, but all the family members and the network of close friends. So thinking about that after I had gotten through all my treatments, actually two things happened. One, some paintings that I had done during my radiation treatment actually became what I call an accidental book uh, published by the American Cancer Society. That's called Rad Art, A Journey Through Radiation Treatment. And that showed paintings that I had done on every single day of six and a half weeks of consecutive um, radiation treatments. And it was a way to express myself, um, and hopefully a bit cathartic. So after that, 
I went back and I found the paintings I had done to begin this book about this little boy, Daniel. And suddenly I wanted to change it. I wanted to change it to a story where one child had cancer in the family and the sibling was dramatically and, well, naturally affected by his older sister being ill. So those are the things that went into it. Um, I decided to make it a young child because um, who's the sibling because um, they don't they can't understand intellectually cognitively um, as well as an older child could about illness or about death. Um, I also wanted to show this little boy going through several years of his own development and his increasing understanding and empathy for his sister in the situation. So there were a lot of things that played into doing this. And so I started painting more pictures and created his sister, Kate. I remember as a child, I had a blanket. Yes. (laughs) Many of us did. (laughs) Many of us did, yes. And I, you know, that blanket was my security uh, lifeline and um, right. and Daniel Daniel mm-hmm. has a blanket and right. he doesn't want to give it up and I think he doesn't want to give it up because at this at that point he he just didn't understand well certainly he didn't understand he was also at an age um, when having a security object be it a blanket or a stuffed animal is still quite common um, also his own anxiety uh, and intense feelings heightened when his sister was diagnosed. Um, he certainly couldn't understand the diagnosis, but he could understand all the changes in family life, the frequent appointments, um, the worry from his parents, his sister being ill, not playing with him as much. And so with anxiety can come an increased use of your security object. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to have the Starry Night Blanket, which had been in the original paintings I made for a book, but to continue uh, here. And it serves as a thread that runs through the story um, and as a symbol of his increasing maturity as his attention and his connection to his blanket change. Most times by, you know, when a kid is ready to go off to school, they're leaving their blanket at home. <laughs> but sometimes they may want it in their backpack. Excuse me, or some uh, small piece of it. Mm-hmm. You know, parents figure out creative ways to have them continue to have some kind of security object. Mm. Um, th- this kind of problem, uh, depending what age you are, uh, can be very a- abstract. And yeah. I, I remember, I'm the oldest of eight kids, Italian, Catholic, East Coast, grew up in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Grew up in Connecticut. Um, my brother Johnny, uh, number three son, he, uh, I remember him sitting out on the, um, the swing set and we had those old metal swing sets and there's supposed to be two plastic covers up there on that horizontal bar that, that holds the triangle, right? Mm -hmm. Well, um, Johnny got on the swing set and all of a sudden he was attacked by a huge nest of wasps and... Mm -hmm. Now, you got to remember, you know, I'm maybe five years old. He's like two or three and right. uh, just freaking out. Okay, so, scary time. so, so yeah. real scary for him, but also 
all us other kids watching poor Johnny go through this. Okay, so traumatically we see Johnny, you know, uh, overwhelmed. I mean, he's screaming. My parents come out. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're gone. Uh, my mm-hmm. grandmother comes over and they're gone. And he, uh, you know, I found out years later that he had a... Uh, uh, he went into anaphylactic shock. And, That's right. Yeah, some kids and do. He some was, do. He was in. He was at, at death's door, and um, it took man. It took decades. It decades for me to get mm-hmm. that impression out of my mind, or, or to at least come to terms well, with it. That's a great but sad example of the kind of thing that I'm talking about in yes. this book. Yes. Yeah, the, 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 the trauma, the, the um, you know, it's just like being a parent and, and, and watching your child, you know, get hurt or something. You're helpless. I mean, that's uh, right. That's and same. in these families, imagine being a parent of a child that's in the diagnostic process. You know it's something serious. You're not quite sure yet. You're meeting all these new doctors. You have all these appointments. There may be tests that are painful or at least scary to the child. Um, and so the parents have to juggle their own feelings, the disruption to the household, and the feelings of uh, and behavior mm-hmm. of all of their children. That's quite a lot to juggle and, and al- hard to balance. Yeah, and also, and also, you know, we know as parents that when a child, one of our children gets sick, we focus on that child. Yes, we exactly. We kind of leave the other kids at bay and... I even remember instances like that. So, poor Daniel. Yes. <laughs> poor Daniel. I mean, his parent. He has very. In my the story I made up, he has very fine parents. Sure. But even they, in the midst of having Kate, who's three years older than Daniel, yes, um, be ill, and all of the medical stuff that's happening. At times, Daniel feels left out. Part of that may be. He is left out or not getting quite as much of attention as he's used to. But part of it also may be that that's his perception of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one, one interesting thing about this book, um, the focus is on Daniel more so than Kate. Yes, deliberately, because there's been a lot written for children who are ill, mm-hmm. uh, and I wanted to not leave out Daniel and all the other siblings. Mm-hmm. There are a couple books um, for teenagers um, who have ill younger siblings, but there hasn't been one that I could find that would focus on a younger preschool age healthy sibling mm-hmm. who doesn't have the cognitive uh, capacity and behavioral self-control that older children usually have. Right, right. Um, you, you also um, you also go into uh, uh, some things we can do. Um, yeah. Some so give me give me some things we can do when something like this happens. Well, I think I in thinking about it, I, I put a number of them in the back of the book. Suggestions yes. for parents with their kids, for activities for children, suggestions for therapists and counselors, and even. Um, trigger questions for adult discussion groups. But let me look at it in a different way um, and speak to some of the things that I think families, parents need to do to nurture the healthy 
young sibling. Please. First is continue connection and affection to that child. Um, even a young child, let's say, that plays really well on their own, they're very independent, they're very creative, that child still needs frequent attention and affection and hugs and statements of love and caring. So to continue the connection and affection, ideas like this, reassure the child of continued love and caring, um, facilitating quality time for the healthy and ill children in favorite ways, but maybe in new ways as needed. Um, encourage the wider family to express affection for the sibling. And here's one, avoid temptation to shower the kid with physical gifts. Um, I'm sure that lots of parents in these kind of situations or in situations when a family is changing, say um, a divorce or separation or even death of a parent, that there may be a lot of gifts for the child. It's not that they're necessarily bad, it's that affection and love (laughs) are more important. So this, let me. Would you like me to? I've got a couple more please, please, areas yes, here yes, yes. that I think are important. Yes. One is to provide. A second one would be to provide predictability and structure mm-hmm. to the family, and in this case, specifically to the young siblings. So that means maintaining regular family routines as much as possible for kind of the, the markers of the day: meals, play, naps, bedtime. Uh, that may not be completely possible if let's say the parents are frequently off for medical appointments with the sick child, but as much as possible, keeping routines there. If they have to be changed, then let all the children know what the new routine is. Mm-hmm. If, if the parents have to be away, let's say they have to go to another city um, for some medical tests or their child's in treatment in another town uh, and they're away overnight, With all the technology we have, you can stay in daily touch by phone, mail, um, Skype, Mm -hmm. so that you can literally let the child see you and you can see them. Mm -hmm. And a couple more in this area, Mm -hmm. remembering to stay in the parent role and let the child be a child, not your caregiver. Sometimes kids are so empathic and they uh, sort of start taking care of the parent who may have regressed some. Mm But it's really important to, you know, stay in the parent role, be the adult, because that can be reassuring for all of the children. Right. And, and now, one more in that area please. <laughs> is maintaining reasonable behavioral expectations for the younger child. Kids, you know, they act out. Well, teenagers can do that, too. But let's talk about the young kids now. They don't necessarily have the words to put on their feelings right. that you may be able to tell by looking at how their behavior behaving that say they're anxious or they're angry or they're scared. So the trick is to recognize the feelings, acknowledge them and you know, accept them, but at the same time expect the child to behave in a reasonable way. You know, you're gonna give a little wiggle room, but you don't want to give so much the child gets scared by being out of control. Yeah. Well, the other so, the other thing I'm thinking about also is um, a, par- a parent like me who is older has been on this earth longer. Uh, will will hopefully have a little bit more have have a better ability to handle something like this. What mm-hmm. what's what would be really tough would be a young thirty year old uh, or late twenty year old 
uh, mm-hmm. kids that are parents and then all of a sudden have uh, a child that that they need to go through this. Um, so I agree, but I, a lot of them can do it well. The yes. other thing that's really hard, I'd say, would be, let's say it's a young single parent. Yes. Let's say it's a yes. 20-year-old or yes. a 25-year-old single parent. Or there are two parents, but it's a very dysfunctional family yeah. with a lot of conflict yeah. or abuse even. Yeah. And you add on top this kind of trauma, the pressure on those parents and the children, but the pressure on the parents is enormous. Yeah. So I have two more ways you can nurture let's, different areas. Let's you want to talk, hear them? Please, absolutely. Okay. Uh, next, the next one I think about is th- that parents need to be honest and empathic with the children. Yeah. Um, no elephant in the living room. That doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so it's important to acknowledge the child's illness or condition to the siblings in terms that the young child can understand. It's kind of like that old thing, uh, you know, if a young kid asks what's sex, you don't necessarily tell them all the ins and outs of it, uh, mm-hmm. but you give a basic kind mm-hmm. of statement. See what mm-hmm. questions come next. So you want to explain in a way that the young child can understand, hopefully, and uh is given permission to ask more questions, and then you can follow their lead. Yeah. Another way, to be honest, is to include the child in hospital or clinic visits if it's comfortable for the younger sibling. You probably remember that in my book, I had Daniel go with his parents and Kate for her first chemo treatment. Sure. And um, so he could see what she was going through, but he could also uh, perhaps recognize that it might not be as scary as perhaps the picture in his head of what it would be. Sure, sure. And then he could go at other times, although he decided he didn't always like to go to the hospital because it was boring. <laughs> well, um, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, he, he, I, I think he innately knew that, you know, the, 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 his Kate was in good hands and Kate yeah, was yes. going to be okay. Well, that's true. And, I think that's important, yeah, yeah. yeah, to demonstrate that... There's a there's a good team of, of folks taking care of the, the sick child. Yeah, let's not discount the fact that children, much more so than adults, <laughs> have an innate ability to read uh, people and to Absolutely. feel things. As we go through our life, as we walk our path, we put up these uh, these walls and these domes, right. and you know we forget about that sensitivity. We forget about that innate ability to. To feel, even yes, without touching. Yes, I agree with you completely, yeah. Greg. So they can feel a lot, and they can pick up on and be sensitive to feelings demonstrated by parents yes. and other siblings and other people. But they may not have the words. You know, they may not be able to articulate verbally of course what they're feeling or responding to. But you're right. They are intuitive in so many ways. Yeah. Um, I've been trying to stay a child my whole adult life. <laughs> well, I don't want to. I don't want to lose that. Uh, I don't want to lose it either. <laughs> I found that when I had children, that um, it helped me to look through their eyes again. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can see the child's perspective and their joy at just picking up a leaf or oh. responding oh. to the weather. Or you're making um, me crazy right now. I. I just got back from visiting my granddaughter in Phoenix. She's one year old. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen her only twice since mm-hmm. the birth. 
but you you hit the nail on the head, man. I tell you. Yeah, you look I have in, grandchildren too, you look so in, I understand. You look into the eyes of those little children, and I know. it's like, whoa! I wish I could go back and and uh, and you know, open my eyes. I mean, it's such a gift to feel that again. Yeah, I agree. And, and going on that, or segueing from that, yeah. the last area that I have thought about and kind of can articulate yeah. ideas for parents is to be playful and be focused. So, you know, whenever possible, now this is in a household where somebody's really sick, right. but whenever possible, play actively, be silly, laugh with your child. I'm talking about with the sibling now. Right. But it also would be true for the ill child to the extent you can. Sure. You know, honor regular private play with the child, with the sibling, um, with emphasis on involvement and quality, especially if time is really short. Sure. You know, you can read and draw together and go on. Adventures and excursions, um, walking, biking, playgrounds, mm-hmm. parks, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do a lot of that yourself as a parent because of the situation, you can arrange special visits for the healthy child with extended family, neighbors, friends. So there's an awful lot that parents can do to help balance the needs of all their kids in these situations where typically it can feel pretty overwhelming. Sure. And at times, really be overwhelming. Sure, sure. Um, this book, uh, do you have any plans to maybe piggyback on this concept? Because I, I see a, I see a kid's book, you know, uh, trying to help the, or I see, a, I see an adjunct to this, so maybe hmm. uh, talking to the parents. You know, maybe, yeah, they have a book that's addressed to the parents. Yeah, maybe these parents mm-hmm. are young. And mm-hmm. here's where I'm going with this. You know, this this new technology, this new world, mm-hmm. we don't talk to people. We don't <laughs> touch people. Yeah. We can't look in the eyes of people. You know, that scares the heck out of me. I got to tell you, Sally, because I was raised by touch, mm-hmm. by uh Example, uh, mm-hmm. not that life was good all the time, but but I did understand at a very young age my my parents loved me, and um, both my mom and dad were very you know they were affectionate. Um, they they knew that you had a you had to communicate, look into the eyes, touch kids, exactly we, eye contact. Yeah. So you know, with, with the way the world's going, how the heck are we going? What how are we going to overcome that? Because we're losing that tactile uh, ability um, and that communication, that tactile communication. Yeah, you've opened up a whole... Help me, please. <laughs> Help <laughs> me. You've opened up a, a much broader area well, bigger know. than the I know. book. I know. But I have some similar feelings to you. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I... Well, when I was in practice as a psychologist working with families and kids, I certainly talked about and hopefully modeled, you know, affection and uh, talking about your feelings and mm-hmm. honoring in the child's feelings. Mm-hmm. And in this book, uh, by the story that I made up for Kate and Daniel and their parents, I wanted to model some of that and show some of the challenging situations, but then have the parents respond in ways that were really strengthening and helpful to the children. So there are hugs, there's affection, there's um, reassurance, mm-hmm. all of those kind of things. So the book can serve as 
kind of a model for a lot of that. I don't have answers for all of the um, technology stuff. Yeah. It, it makes me sad when I see a young couple, or maybe they're just friends, you know, at a meal in a restaurant, and they're not talking. They're looking, and they're not making eye contact. They're looking down at their machines. Oh, please. Yeah, it's a scary thing. It, yeah, it really is. It's it's so. disheartening. All right, now um, we uh, another personal question. You or a personal question? You had uh, you had gone through. Uh, you had cancer. You went through breast cancer That's therapy. Right. Um, you know, you talk about Daniel uh, helping his sister out. Who helped you out during that time? Mm. Well, my family, my husband, my children. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I have adult children now, mm-hmm. um, and my family and my friends helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm part of a, a small painting group that painted regularly in that time every week, and we just rally around each other when one person's going through mm-hmm. tough times, and that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, people were willing to drive me to surgery when I had after, uh, not to surgery, I'm sorry, to the radiation, because that was 33 consecutive days. Um, And I had to drive almost an hour each way. Uh, When I had the surgery, people brought meals to our house. Um, So I got a lot of support, and yet it was still a scary time. Sure. Um, And that's what I was trying to get out of of you, to be honest, you know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it remains... A scary time. It changes one's perspective on life. Um, carpe diem. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it reminds me of just how important the circle of family and friends are. And that's partly what I was trying to do with this book, was to really focus on the family. It's about Daniel primarily, the young sibling. Sure. But the bigger... Um, story is about the family and how they support each other yeah well i liked it uh, sally um daniel and his starry night blanket a story of illness and sibling love written and illustrated by sally luckridge sally this has been really cool i um i gotta tell you my my uh i grew up with picture books uh, my dad was a professional watercolorist back east oh my a goodness gallery yeah. artist his name was Jack Grasso, and uh, he, he, was, he was all over New England, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you, your illustrations are so warm and inviting and very playful, by the way, I should tell Thank you. Thank you. Um, Perhaps I'm still playful. Well, I, I was going to say, I, <laughs> I think your soul is still very playful here. And I certainly hope so. Yeah. I think you've done a heck of a job communicating um, – this really tough problem, uh, really tough Thank dynamic. Thank you so yeah. much. I, I also would encourage people, if they're interested in the book, um, take a look at my website because it also shares a lot more about the book and the, the earlier book, Rad Art, and it shows many, many paintings that I've done because when I'm not, you know, most of the time I'm not painting for a book, I'm painting for just because of my love of nature mm. and how much it all resonates with me. Mm. So I paint the coast of Maine, essentially. Wow. 
I got to get you and my author friend Mike Bond together, and that'd be interesting. Yeah, he's a heck of a writer, and I could see you illustrating. He, yeah, he 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 loves Maine. Um, of course, I've been. Where there. does he live in Maine? Uh, let's see. Mid coast, uh, or... yeah, he's up near the Portland area. Um, oh, okay. He, he, his family has uh, roots, three hundred year old roots in Maine, mm. and uh, nice. he, he's a nice guy. He's a great writer, uh, and but you uh, said he wrote, he writes adult books. Yeah, right? he writes adult books. Yeah, he writes adult books, but uh, uh, yeah, his life's totally different than yours. Although he talks about the coast and. Uh, I remember Maine being absolutely wonderful. It is um, spectacular, both inland and on the coast. I live right on the coast. Oh, you lucky! Uh, need to be near the ocean. Yeah. So yeah, that's I, quite wonderful. I, uh, I'm in. I'm in the mountains now. Uh, <laughs> mountains are nice. Mountains are nice. So if we go to uh, SallyLockridge.com, and that's S A L L Y L O U G H R I D G E. It's pronounced Lockridge. Um, Sally Lockridge, great Italian name, by the way, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sally. <laughs> it's I, my late husband. <laughs> Irish name. I'm teasing. And, I know you are. And they know I'm teasing because they know I'm pretty Italian. Um, okay, folks, Daniel and his starry night blanket, a story of illness and sibling love, written and illustrated by Sally Lockridge. Sally, do you have anything else you need to say? Um, Just, I'd encourage people to go to the website, yes. www.sallylockridge.com. Um, and certainly, if anyone has any comments, there's a contact box on there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can um, send me a message. Mm-hmm. And there's also a way, if you're interested in buying this book, you can do it through a PayPal button right on the books page in mm-hmm. the website. Well, I think your book needs to be in every children's hospital throughout the United States, and I hope that your publicist is listening <laughs> to write a letter to the Children's uh-huh. uh, Miracle Network and all the other big fundraisers, because this, this is a perfect fit. Perfect fit. Yeah, I, I'm trying to get it out there to... <laughs> those that it can help mm-hmm. um you know and that's that's a big job but um it is yeah so yes. any ideas you have certainly send them along to me well I'd you know what it. i have your i have your email address yeah. and i'm helping mike bond do some marketing maybe i'll mm-hmm. uh, think about this and and yeah, if you, you think of anything I, i'm well open yeah. to all ideas yeah. to think about how to creatively get it out there yeah i've got um, a uh, we'll talk down the road. This is great. Okay. Thank you so much, Greg. It was fun to talk. Sally, thank you very much. You have a great okay. day and be safe. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.